It's great to be here. Um, I spoke to John this morning and he told me, is that me again? <laughs> it must be, or maybe not. Okay, anyway, John told me this morning that um, he, had a, he had an interesting dream. He said, I was preaching like I am today, but I was much taller, which was nice. And then he said I was wearing a full suit and a, and a tie. How interesting is that? So that's not me. So I'm feeling a little bit... And then he said, I was preaching in a a sort of a high-pitched voice. (laughs) Like that. So I'm feeling a bit of pressure this morning. Anyway, so... um, Oh, great. Can you see me now? Nice. You thought it was the Lord speaking, but it wasn't. It was just me. So, so we all know that good habits are great, like going to the gym and uh, stuff like that. And uh, so I, when I just started off my ministry, uh, I discovered there's another good habit that everyone should practice. So I was praying for this one guy at youth, and um, he just asked me for some prayer, and then I prayed for him. And then a- as I went to pray for him, he went like this. And then in that moment, I went like this. And then I smelt his breath. And then I realized that was the worst breath I've ever smelled ever. Right? So I discovered that brushing teeth is a good habit. So quick question, just a mini survey. Who who uses Aquafresh to brush their teeth? Just quickly show me your hands. Nice. Who uses Colgate? I, I only thought those there were those two, then I heard someone on staff uses Mentadent P. Fancy ones. Who uses Mentadent P? Great, like three of you, nice, and one of the staff members. Awesome. So um, let me tell you a quick story. There was this young boy at 16 years, true story, at 16 years old, his dad said to him, son, we can't afford to have you at home anymore. You have to leave, you have to go find a job, and you need to take care of yourself because we can't afford to do it. So he listened to his dad and and he left. He could fit everything he owned in a single bag that he carried in one hand. As he walked, he came across one of his neighbors, an elderly man. And he said, so where are you, where are you off to, William? And uh, he said, well, my dad said they can't care for me and I need to go find a job. And, and then the old man said to him, so what is it that you can do? He said, so, well, we can make soap. That's what I can do. That's all I can make soap. And we do some toothpaste as well. And this old man said to him, William, William Colgate, as you make your way to New York, someone's going to get rich off selling toothpaste and soap. It might as well be you. He said, why don't you be a good man? Give your life to God, to Jesus, and give him 10% of every cent you make. And he took that old man's advice, and he did. And 218 years later, some of you are still brushing your teeth with Colgate. The question is, the question is, why give? Why did this guy give? Why did he listen to this old man? And, and this morning, I'm just going to share some, a few reasons with you. Not that I claim, not because I claim that I have some sort of superior knowledge when it comes to finances. I don't. I can just share with you what God has told me and shared with me. So I want to share three things with you this morning as to why give. The first reason, it's, it's fairly simple, I think... Um, it's because Jesus said so. 
When I just became a Christian, I, I met a, a Christian couple, um, and these guys were just absolutely incredible. In, um, and they, the, the wisdom they, they brought to my life around that, that stage of my life was just incredible. And I think I experienced rapid spiritual growth because of them. And one of the first things they challenged me with when I became Christian, they said, Jacques, have you been baptized? And I was like, no, I haven't been baptized. And they said, you, you need to get baptized. And I said, why? And they said, well, because Jesus said so. I was like, oh, if Jesus says so, I'll do it. Fantastic. Done. And then I got baptized um, shortly after that. And the second thing they asked me, they like, hey, Jacques, are you tithing? I said, no, because what is that? And they said, well, simple. It's just you give 10% of whatever you own to God. And I was like, oh, what's that all about? And they said, well, Jesus said you must do it. I was like, oh, fine. If Jesus says so, I'll do it. And I just want to read a passage of Scripture to you, and it's in Matthew 22, verse 21. Actually, I'm going to just tell you the story. So the, the Pharisees sent some spies to try and trick Jesus. So Jesus was preaching, and they sent some spies, and these guys approached him and said, Hey, Jesus, so we know that you're a, a teacher of the law. We know that you're great at it. We know that you don't listen to other people. You, you stick to what you believe in. And um, oh, we've got a question for you. In your opinion, they say, in your opinion, should we be paying imperial tax? And then Jesus, in that moment, knew exactly what they were doing. And he said to them, why are you trying to trap me? He said, bring me one of the coins that you pay tax with. And then they did. And they said, whose face is on here? They said, the emperor's. And he said, exactly. So give to the emperor what belongs to the emperor, and give to God what belongs to God. And that's what this family was teaching me, is to give to God what belongs to God. And in this journey over the last 16, 17 years of being a believer, I've just learned a simple principle. If Jesus tells you to do something, just do it. I'm going to read another passage for you. It's in Jeremiah 7, from verse 21. It says this, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Go ahead, add your burnt offerings to your other sacrifices, and eat the meat yourselves. For when I brought your ancestors out of Egypt and spoke to them, I did not just give them commandments about burnt offering and sacrifices, but I gave them this command. Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, that it may go well with you. Another interesting passage, 1 Samuel um, chapter 15. It says this. It's very interesting for me. It says, has the, Lord as great, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. I love that. To obey is better than sacrifice. And I always found this passage challenging, right? To obey is better than sacrifice because it may seem to me that sacrifice is better in my brain, it said it was better. My, my parents brought me, when, when they raised me, they, they taught me to always share. And Afrikaans word for sharing is, if, if, if someone comes into your house, you would say, my mom would say to me, offer for Allah. Offer them something. And then just to offer them something, to sacrifice something, to me so, sounded better. Because I misunderstood what this passage was about. When the, when the author there says, to obey is better than to sacrifice, he's speaking about the context we don't sacrifice the way they sacrifice. The sacrifice he's speaking about is when you sin, in the Old Testament, in the context of the author, you needed to bring a sacrifice. You needed to bring an animal and kill it, and this animal would take your place. 
punishment for sinner's death. So he says obedience, this is very interesting, obedience is better than that. I mean, this was the covering for sin. First thing that the Lord taught me was just to obey. I'm not going to spend much time on the first point. The second thing that, um, that the Lord showed me was this. So we cannot do the church, cannot do what it's called to do if it doesn't have resources. I remember a few years ago, um, I was serving at a church. I was a youth pastor, as I am now, youth director here at Bethel Baptist Church. But I was serving at a church, and um, our lawnmower broke. And I happened to be in the office when my pastor was speaking to the finance lady, and he, and he said, hey, the lawnmower just broke. We need to go buy a new one. That's the bottom line. We need to go buy a new one. Then she said, we can't. There's no money right, to buy a lawnmower. And, and I just remember seeing my pastor's face and the frustration, he, the look he had on his face, the frustration he felt. So, so I said, okay, guys, we've been teaching our youth about giving, and, we, and they, they've been giving, and we've saved up some money. We were going to use it for sound equipment, but, but can, we would rather just love to buy the lawnmower. And then he, and I saw, and he was frustrated. He said, Jacques, I don't want the youth to buy the lawnmower. I want there to be money. And I remember him immediately thinking, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have said that because he was frustrated. And his frustration wasn't with me, but it was with lack. And him not being able to even mow the lawn because of that. In Acts chapter 3, there's a story about John and Peter who, who goes to temple to worship. And there's this gate called Beautiful. And there was this man who was paralyzed his whole life sitting there. And he was begging, right? He was asking for money. And um, they responded and then they said, well... Well, money, silver and gold, we don't have. But what we do have, we can give you. And then they said, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Put out his hand. The moment he touched his hand, the Bible says, his ankles were strengthened immediately, and he stood up and walked. And as I read this, this passage, I couldn't help but see the similarity between that man and the church that's lacking. The man was paralyzed. Couldn't do what God made him to do. In the same way, when a church doesn't have resources, it cannot do what God has called it to do. And as I was preparing this message, I, I just thought, Lord, what could we do if we, if we had limited resources? And, and then my brain just went like all over the place. I know like the Bible says we need to care for the poor. We need to feed the hungry. And, and then you need to feed them with food that costs money. So like, Lord, how do we even feed the hungry if we don't have money? Then I thought the Bible says you need to care for the elderly. And I thought, Lord, what can we do if we don't have resources? And I thought, imagine if we could just build like a giant building and we could just care for all the old people in the world. Obviously, my imagination is running wild. One of the biggest crimes in, in Westville is, is abuse. So I thought, what happens if, if a mom comes to us and says, hey, I've been abused and my children are being abused. What are we supposed to do? And I thought, imagine if we could just build houses like all over the place where we could just care for people who are in need. Because the reality is, often people who find themselves in this situation has no other option. To leave their home isn't an option. What do we do then? In most cases, we do nothing. But we've been called to do something. 
And then I remember having a conversation with this family, Christian family. I told you guys about it. Anne and Edwin Mayer. Let me just, Anne and Edwin Mayer. Love, the, love this family. And I had a conversation with, with Anne one day. And I said, so, so what is this bizarre? Like we call Afrikaans fundraising. Like, what do you call what, John, what's the, what's the Afrikaans English word for bizarre? Kerk bazaar. Wie kan help? Kerk bazaar. You guys know what a cat bazaar is? It's like, it's like a fun day where you can just buy food and stuff and there's rides and all kinds of really cool things. Anyway, so I said, what's the vibe of this cat bazaar? And she said, no, it's, it's fundraising. And I said, are we going to go? And she said, oh, we can go if, it, if it's just for fun, but it's, but it's a fundraiser. Then I said, what, why do you keep saying the word fundraiser? I don't understand what the point is. What point are you trying to make? She said, well, they're raising funds for the church. And I said, yeah, that's fantastic. Let's go. And then she used that moment to teach me. She said, Jacques, if everybody gave, you wouldn't need to do fundraisers. Then the penny just dropped for me in that moment. I was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. I get it. I'm not against fundraising. It's not, I'm not saying we shouldn't fundraise. I think we should. But how awesome would it be if we didn't need to do fundraising? R.T. Kendall says, tithing is a solution that no one talks about. As I bring this message, I'm not doing it from a position of a church that, that's lacking. We know that this church does phenomenal ministry. We know we've got a fantastic family ministry. Our marriages are being taken care of. We've got a great care ministry with someone on staff who does that. We've got a fantastic kids program. We've got the best youth program on the planet. <laughs> we have a young adults ministry. We've got seniors ministry. We mentioned cast our non-profit organization. We've got worship. We've got people on staff to do this. And we wouldn't be able to do the quality of ministry that we do if it wasn't for you and for your giving. So we want to thank you for giving. But I still think of this paralyzed man. We are a well-resourced church. But how much more could we do for God if we had more? Just a question. The third thing that that God taught me. So the first one is because Jesus said so. The second thing is because the church cannot do what it's supposed to do if it doesn't have the resources. The third thing is because God wants us. God wants us to have faith in Him. God wants us to trust Him. Okay? So Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that it's impossible to please God without faith. What a powerful verse. It's impossible to please God without faith. And then verse 1 says... Um, faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not yet seen. That's, I never understood that passage. It's as simple as this, I think. Faith is the evidence, something tangible, of that which we don't yet see. It speaks about faith. It speaks about an action. It, speaks about, it says that we trust God even though we cannot see it yet. Faith, in the simplest form, is trust. Trust. God said to me, I need you to trust me. And uh, very early on in my, in my walk with God, he showed me that I can trust him. So I'm just going to share two short stories with you. Um, so I knew that God called me into full-time ministry when I went to um, grade 12. I knew God called me. I said, I want you to go to full-time ministry. And I said, thanks, Lord. I'll do that. But how does this work? I, I didn't even know that you could study theology. So then God said, well, I want you to study theology. And then I said, thanks, Lord, but, but I don't know how I'm going to afford this because my family went through a season where there wasn't overflow. My parents said, oh, we can't afford this. And then my, my friend, one of my friends came to me and he said, Jacques, so, so you're Christian now. Um, 
What's the vibe? What are you going to do with your life? I'm going to go into business. I'm going to make money. What are you going to do? So I told him, I'm going to go into full-time ministry. I told him about my passion for, lo- for the lost, people who don't know Jesus. And he said, so, so are you going to study? I said, yes. They said, how are you going to afford it? Very close friend of mine. So he knew the situation we were in at that phase of our life. And then I just remember in that moment, like God giving me the perfect illustration. So I said to him, hey man, when I was young, younger, my dad used to send me to the shop to go buy stuff. Like he would tell me to go buy Coke, two liter milk, bread, and some chips. And then I said, when I go to the shop, after my dad sent me, whose responsibility is it to, give, to provide, to give the resources, the money to go and buy the stuff? He said, well, your dad. And I said, yes. So, so God has called me to go into full-time ministry. And he's my father. And because he's called me, I know he's going to provide for me. And he said, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Yeah, good. He said, good illustration. And then five years of full-time studies and one year of practical, I didn't pay one cent for my studies. Not one cent. Because God provided. Thank you for that one clap. It wasn't for me. It's for God. It's awesome. (laughs) It sounds like I'm bragging. Maybe I am. I'm bragging about a God that wants to provide. Not one. I didn't even pay for my books. God provided. It was just the most incredible thing. And my parents are absolutely awesome. I had a bribe with them yesterday. Um, and it's just, it just awesome just thinking back on how, how often they just did incredible things for us as a family. But there was a season, like I mentioned, where our finances were rough. So my dad had just moved to Lady Smith. He got a new job. And uh, my mom and the rest of us were still in Durban. And um, so there was one night. I, I don't know what happened. It was only that one night, but um, I said to my mom, so what are we eating tonight? And she says, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? Why don't you just cook something? And she says, well, I can't. There's nothing. I was like, cheapers, that's rough. So what are we going to do? She said, I don't know. So then I just remember praying, Lord, I don't know what we're going to do even. Don't know. The next moment, not even joking, someone knocks on the door, right? There was, a, there was a, an old Indian lady lived on the property with us. And she brought the biggest pot of curry that I've ever seen in my life. And that was the best curry I've ever eaten. But it was interesting in that very moment, seconds after my mom said, I don't know. And God said, I know. I'd actually prepared this in advance for you. Because God wants us to trust him. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says this. For no matter... How many promises God has made. They are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. All of God's promises are yes and amen. So as God showed me this verse, I thought, that's awesome, Lord. You've, you've showed us that you want to you you fulfill your promises and thanks for that. But, but I want to I give a promise to every single person at church today. So I was going through, through verses, trying to think, how am I going to address this congregation who's so diverse? How am I going to do this? And I, I thought, okay, so, so we know, let's, think of, let's think about some needs. You've got physical needs. You've got emotional needs. You've got spiritual needs. You've got physical needs, material needs. Lord, how, give, me a, give me a promise for each of those. So I just came across this one verse in Philippians 4 verse 19. It says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That speaks to everything. It speaks to material needs, 
speaks to physical needs, emotional, spiritual, speaks to all your needs. The truth is that our greatest asset, our greatest asset is not our money, it's the promise of God. And they are yes and amen in Him. There's a story of, a, of an old French tightrope walker. I forget his name. Can, someone sh- can, can the media guy just shout his name at me quickly? What's this tightrope walker's name? Yes. Charles. Let's just say, let's call him Charles. I couldn't hear the surname. So this guy was just great at what he did, okay? So he, would, he, he put a rope right across Victoria. Um, you put a, a, a rope right across a river. I forget the river's name as well. doesn't matter. The point is, he put a rope across the river. And so this guy would just go from one side to another. He would take this pole, walk across, and then he would do different things. One time he, would, he, throw the, he threw the pole away. Then he would cross from one side to another and back. On another occasion, he put a blindfold on. Then he would cross from one side to the other. On another occasion, he would walk on stilts just to show people how great he is what he does. On another occasion, he, he had a wheelbarrow and he would walk across from one side to another, one side to another, and then he, there was a royal family that came and watched him do this. There were hundreds of people that day. And he said, he approached the royal family and he said, do you believe that I can carry someone across in this wheelbarrow? And this duke said, yes, I believe. And, and then this guy said, well, hop in. He declined. Then he said, is there anyone here that believes that I could cross? And the old lady put her hand up. She came to the front. She got into the wheelbarrow. He wheeled her across and back. His mom put her hand up. She had complete, complete trust in him. Complete trust. God wants us to trust him. In conclusion, I'm just going to wrap it up. The question was, why give? Why give? Because Jesus told us to give. And he wants us to obey him. Second reason is because if we don't give, the church cannot do what God has called it to do. And the third reason why do we give is because God wants us to trust him. God wants us to trust him. I want to wrap up this this morning by praying for you as a church. I want to pray for, for fear because fear is also trust. Fear is also trust, but you're trusting in the wrong thing. I want to pray for businesses. Maybe you just want to thank God for His provision or whatever it may be. And I want to pray for you. And as the band comes up, please, please come up. Um, I want to ask everybody just to close their eyes, and I'm going to ask you to put your hand up. We're not going to make you feel awkward if you need prayer. So if there's anyone here this morning that says, Jacques, I want you to pray for me. Um, might have fear. I want you to pray for my business. Well, I just want to give God thanks for what he's done in my life. Why don't you just show me your hand? Thank you. Lots of hands are going up. Lots of hands are going up. Great. Can you quickly put your hand down? I forgot to tell you this. I want people around you to pray for you this morning. We're not going to ask you to come to the front. We're going to ask the people, the family around you, just to come around you and pray for you. And if that's okay, won't you please put your hand up again? So if you want prayer this morning, please put your hand up. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. All the hands are up again. Thank you so much. Great. So, so if, if you're sitting around someone who's put their hand up, please won't you just go to them right now and pray for them. Thank you. Someone in the back there, far left. Thank you, Moira. Oh, great. Awesome. Let's pray. Jesus, we, um, we're so aware of the fact that you are our Savior. We thank you for, for giving your life so we can have eternal life. We thank you for your promises. We thank you that you want us to trust you and that we get to trust you. Well, sometimes we experience fear. We think, what happens if I give and God doesn't provide? Are we fearful just to go home or to leave our homes at night? We have fear for our families in the future. Lord, we want to give that to you this morning. Your word says that we do not have a spirit of fear, but love, strength, and a sound mind. May that become our reality. May we become bold. Help us to trust you. Lord, we surrender our businesses to you. You know the place we're in. You know the challenges we're facing. You know the deals that need a breakthrough. I want to give every single business that represented here in this family today to you. I pray that you would open the floodgates in Jesus' name. Lord, and the last thing we want to pray is we just want to thank you. I'm going to give you a prayer of thanksgiving this morning. And I thank you for being our provider. Thank you for being the one who sustains us. Thank you for sending a lady to come and knock at our door in our time of need. I pray that you would send those people to anyone in need. And we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for that right now in Jesus' name. Amen.